You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This episode of Behave is brought to you by Family Pet. FamilyPet.com, the knowledge center. It's Behave with Arden Moore. This show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rintin, Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. It is fitting that our special guest today knows how to behave. Well, she knows how to get our dogs and cats to behave. Now, I've been following her career for many years, and I've seen her present at national conferences, and she is awesome. So you guys are in for a real treat today. Did I say treat? Are your dog's ears perking up? Well, right now, I want you to please welcome from the ASPCA animal behaviorist, Dr. Pamela Reed. Welcome to the show, Pamela. Well, thank you, and thank you for a wonderful introduction. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'll sit and stay, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dr. Reed has been all over the country. She knows dogs of all sizes, all shapes, all ages, all temperaments. And we're going to be covering a lot of things that are all about DOGs. And especially in the summer, there seems to be a spike in the number of dog bites being reported. So we're going to get a bite on what to do right, but we have to pay for this show by taking a commercial break. So you guys know the drill. Let's sit and stay, and we'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I am really, really excited that we have an accomplished animal behaviorist in the house. Now, she's got a PhD, and that doesn't mean pretty happy dog. That means she got a doctorate degree. She knows things about dogs, what makes them tick, how to motivate them, and how to bring out the best in your dog and have a great relationship. I'm speaking, of course, of Dr. Pamela Reed. She is the animal behaviorist with the ASPCA. And that stands for the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. And just in case you guys need to be quizzed, you are a certified applied animal behaviorist. I hope I can call you Pamela. I know you've got the doctor behind you, but Dr. Reed is... You can call me Pam. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Pam. There's not a lot of you certified applied animal behaviorists on the country, are there? 
There aren't. Um, I haven't checked lately, but uh, I think maybe about 40 or 50 of us. And then there's a group of veterinary behaviorists as well. And so we keep separate certifications, but, uh, but we work together. Yeah, and you guys have the lucky job of sometimes handling the toughest cases. Now, in your background, you've actually evaluated some of quarterback Michael Vick's dogs, correct? I did, yes. We evaluated 49 dogs from that case. And of those dogs, a couple of them became actually therapy dogs, correct? Yes, yes. There were some really lovely dogs in that group. There were a number of dogs that were very frightened. They hadn't been socialized, but there were, and then there were a number that obviously had had a history of fighting with other dogs, but there were a handful that were really, really super nice dogs. Well, I do have a name for pit bulls. You ready for it? Uh-oh, she's okay. like, oh, okay. I call them meaty cheeks. <laughs> when you get a happy pit bull, don't you think they got the best grin in town? They have a great clown face. They just look like the happiest dog ever. Yes. <laughs> Didn't they used to be nanny dogs? Weren't they a long time ago, kind of the ones that people would have when they had little kids? They were considered a great family pet, yes. Okay. Well, we got to bring them back to that steed, okay? That would be great. You're not the kind of uh, animal behaviorist that sits around shuffling papers all day either. I was looking at your background. You actually go out in the field. You've helped with uh, hurricanes and some dogfighting groups. So give me a little background of what uh, some of the things that you've done that really, really puts your skills to the test. Well, I have to say I probably have what I think is the most exciting job in the world because um, we work very closely with the ASPCA field investigation and response team. And what they do is they respond to natural disasters and to large-scale cruelty cases. And so once we get called in and we are responsible for a large number of animals, we have to set up sheltering for them and we work with them while we have them in the shelter. We evaluate their behavior so that we can determine, you know, what they need in terms of care while they're with us and maybe some rehabilitation if they have some behavior concerns. And then also how we can best um, match them with potential adopters. So, for instance, when the hurricane, the tornado hit Joplin, we were out there and we rescued animals that were lost and we cared for them for a good month, and we took people around who had lost their pets to see if, if we had their pets there so we could reunite them. Of course, sadly, there were many that we still had left over at the end because either their owners had been killed or their owners still didn't have homes and couldn't care for them, and we held a big adoption event. We evaluated all the dogs so we could give people information right on their pens that said what they were like and, and help facilitate that matching process so that people could adopt them the right animals for them. So that was an amazing experience, and then it's just become more amazing ever since because we've responded to uh, floods and hurricane, Hurricane Sandy, and then we also work with cruelty victims, so we evaluate dogs from puppy mills and from hoarding situations, and then the pit bulls from the dog fighting cases. Now, what's your personal critter posse? What's your pet posse? What do you have? <laughs> I have three mixed-breed dogs. I have a six-year-old Whippet-to-Border-Collie Terrier cross. And I have a, an 11-year-old dog that I got from the ASPCA shelter, and she's probably a Border Collie Terrier cross. And then I have an <laughs> almost 18-year-old dog oh who's a Border Collie Border Terrier cross. All right, let's go in age from young to old. Who's the six-year-old? Snafu. Snafu. Okay, that's Snafu. a good name. Yeah. And what about the 11-year-old? 
that's fidget. Fidget? She's very fidgety. Okay. And how about and the then, uh, Methuselah? Is yeah, that the last one? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the old guy is Egypt. E-E-J-I-T. E-E-Women. What is that? E-E-J-I-T. If you're familiar with Irish brogue, that's kind of slang. It's a term of endearment. Okay. <laughs> and Snafu, why the name Snafu? Because she's such a mess of breeds mixed <laughs> up in there. <laughs> she's got some Whippet. She's got some Staffordshire Bull Terrier. And she's, oh, my gosh. She's I think Dr. Marty Becker coined the phrase, she's a canine cocktail. She definitely is, yes. <laughs> now, I'm looking at this. You did not pick any easy breeds, Terrier and Border Collie, Einstein and Go to Ground. You get to practice what you preach when you get home, huh? bet. Actually, I started with Salukis. You can't ask for a much more challenging breed than that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So you learn learn a lot from every single dog. You hail from, is it from Canada, from Toronto? Uh, Yes. Well, I actually grew up in Nova Scotia. Okay, uh, okay. I went to the University of Toronto and, and started in animal behavior there. I'm just trying to picture a little girl, little Pam, sitting in Nova Scotia saying, I have the world in front of me. I can do anything I want. I'm going to go to the dogs. What inspired you? Work with animals. Always wanted to work with animals, but wasn't really keen to to do the medical aspects. All right. Well, that's why we have veterinarians, right? You bet. So when you're going out on these calls with the field investigative team, I mean, you have to keep your emotions in check. Let's give me an example of at a recent natural disaster, maybe like Hurricane Sandy. What a mess. And you're, it was kind of right where the ASPCA's backyard. I mean, neighborhoods leveled, you know, fires and the storm. How do you keep yourself in check when you're really reaching out to help rescue these animals and evaluate them? Well, I admit I find it pretty easy because I know we're out there to help. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the hardest thing I found was in any of these natural disasters or when people have lost their pets and they come to us every day, sometimes twice a day, trying to find their lost pet, and it breaks your heart when you have to keep saying, no, we have no sign of your dog yet or we have no sign of your cat yet. And then again, it's such a tremendous feeling if we do have them and we can reunite them. So the good outweighs the bad for sure. And we've been through a lot of disasters. Katrina, I think you might agree, was kind of the the milestone that got everybody to realize we have to work together because people were adopting out animals that belonged to other people, and there were a lot of lessons learned from Katrina. So I'm wondering, how is it different now when you're dealing with, like, Hurricane Sandy and trying to reunite dogs and cats with their people versus, you know, over a decade ago with Katrina? Well, I think it's much more organized now in many ways. I mean, we certainly have more options for pet owners if they do need to evacuate. Um, we have shelters now that where you can have your pets with you. I think people are more cognizant that they should pay attention to warnings as well and get their animals out of danger while they still have time. And then, and then we're also much more organized in terms of the interventions. So, you know, we tend to just have one main group that is in charge. And so other groups can collaborate and help rescue animals, but at least people have one centralized location that they can go to. Okay, that sounds good. Or to shelter their animal. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Folks, we're speaking with Dr. Pamela Reed. She is the animal behaviorist at the ASPCA in New York. She literally goes all over the country to bring out the best in pets, and she's there in natural disasters. She's there when there's anti when there's cruelty 
cases. Um, we're going to get back to her and talk a little bit about something, how we deal with not getting bit by a dog. The summer's coming up. There's a lot of people out and about. We want to play it safe for both our pets and our people. So Dr. Pamela Reed's going to help us right after we take this quick commercial break. So everybody, please sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, y'all, it's Kelly Pickler, and you're listening to Arden Moore on Old Behave on Pet Live Radio. I love y'all. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper, and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Old Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I really admire the work that Dr. Pamela Reed does. She is a certified applied animal behaviorist. She's with the ASPCA in New York. And we've been talking about some of the roles that she's been playing getting onto the scene of natural disasters and dealing with cruelty cases. But there is something anyone, any dog of any kind, even a lassie, even a Reed and Tin Tin could bite a person, correct? That's true. In the right circumstances, any dog has the potential to bite. So let's talk a little bit about this. The summer is coming. What would be some message points you'd want to give to, let's talk first for kids. What would be three big points you would want parents and kids to know when they're hanging out with dogs that they know or dogs that they don't know? What are three safety tips you could offer? Well, Certainly, children are at the highest risk, for sure. About 50% of children under the age of 12 will end up being bitten by a dog at some point. So it's very, very important for parents to be aware of that and for dog owners to be aware of that. And parents, their responsibility is to teach their children how to behave around dogs. Probably one of the reasons why dogs do bite children more than they bite adults is because they haven't been well socialized with children and children tend to be more active, more noisy, move more erratically, just behave a little bit more unpredictably than maybe some dogs are accustomed to. And so by attacking it on both ends, by helping dogs become more comfortable with children and by teaching children how to behave more appropriately around dogs, that can go a long way. But then again, it still can't be totally the child's responsibility. The parent has to supervise and has to keep tabs on what the child is doing at all times with the dog. We do recommend certainly that when a child is out and encounters an unfamiliar dog and there is no one to help, to be calm, be still, behave like a tree, stand like a tree, I guess is what it mm-hmm. that you want to not draw undue attention to yourself. You definitely don't want to run. You don't want to scream because those are behaviors that can trigger even a friendly dog to chase a child and maybe knock them down. So it's really good to be as calm and still and uninteresting as possible. 
because you hope that the dog will just get bored and go away because you're not doing anything. I try to be as uninteresting as possible on my dates. Is, is that probably is not working right for me, right? Sorry, I'm not a human psychologist. I can't help you there. <laughs> Thank you. Good answer. But you know what? I love the whole thing about be a tree because I think kids can visualize that. So if you don't mind, just explain that a little bit for the people that may not know that, why it's important for parents and others to teach their children be a tree. Well, if you're a tree, you're quiet, first of all. You're not moving. You're grounded. And ideally, you do want to keep your body all in one unit, so like the trunk of a tree. So there's nothing sticking out that would be interesting for the dog. Because really, that's what the crux of the issue is. Dogs are going to be interested and possibly frightened or worried about things that move erratically, move unpredictably, move toward them if they're not comfortable with it, and things that make interesting sounds. So the less interesting you are, the better off you are with a dog that you don't know. Now, you say you also work with dogs to help them be a little bit more adaptable around the unpredictable nature of kids. So what are are a few tips that you give for folks to be able to teach their dogs? Well, certainly if you have a puppy, absolutely the most important thing to do is get that puppy socialized at a young age. Ideally, between 6 and 16 weeks of age, that puppy should get out into the community and experience all kinds of different people and children and the elderly and sights and sounds and other animals because a a puppy that has good experiences with all that range of, of stimuli is much more likely to grow up and mature into a calm, friendly, easygoing dog that takes everything in stride because they're used to it. If you have an adult and you don't know the socialization history of the dog, well, you need to be a little more cautious and progress more conservatively. But again, getting the dog out around children, getting them comfortable with children, if they show any signs of unease, it's very important to take them out of the situation and that's when you probably should be working with a professional because you don't want to take the risk of having your dog bite somebody because you're trying to socialize them. You want the dog to have good experiences and obviously we want to keep the children safe. When you talk about signs of unease, give us some specifics that people should be looking for because dogs don't lie when they're doing their body posturing, right? They're not like these little evil... Very expressive. Yeah, so give us a few tips that we should be looking for because we don't always pay attention to their, their body cues. Well, I can at least explain the primary things that we okay. look for. If you're looking at a dog, you want to look at the whole picture of the dog, not just one part of them. So you don't want to look just at the tail. You don't want to look just at the face. You want to look at everything. And a dog that's comfortable and relaxed is going to have a balanced look to him. He's going to look natural. His tail is going to be wagging loosely, and it's going to be at the place where he would normally carry his tail. His mm-hmm. ears are going to be relaxed. His face is going to look soft. His mouth is probably going to be a little bit open. Maybe he'll be panting a little bit. That's the picture of a relaxed, comfortable dog. Then you okay. have dogs at the extremes. There are the dogs that try to make themselves look small. So they're going to be kind of hunkered down. Their ears are going to be sideways or back. Their tail might be tucked or at least low. They may still be wagging their tail, but it's going to be a low wag. And a dog like that might be just fine, but he's telling you he's afraid or he's nervous. And so you want to proceed with more caution with a dog like that. And if I was trying to socialize a dog like that, and I mean a dog and and he behaved like that, I would say I've pushed him too far. That's too much. I need to get him out of the situation. And on the other extreme, 
extreme, you have a dog that tries to make himself look bigger than life. He's all puffed up. He's, he's got a very upward stance. His ears are forward. His tail might be wagging, but it would be up higher than normal, and it might be kind of stiff and rigid. And that's an indication of a dog that we would say is aroused, alert, excited, potentially assertive. And again, could be a fine, friendly dog. But he's telling you he's uneasy about something. Something's going on that's getting him riled up. So again, you want to proceed more cautiously because it's dogs at those extremes that are much more likely to be the ones that end up as a dog bite statistic. But within that, there's a lot of nuance. And that's where I think people really need to educate themselves. We can recognize the extremes, but it's the nuances, the, the gradations of getting there. We have a great resource on the ASPCA website called the Virtual Pet Behaviorist. Okay. It's at ASPCABehavior.org. And in there, I mean, first of all, you can ask questions, all kinds of questions about dog and cat behavior and get specific answers. But we do have a feature on how to read dogs, how to oh, understand cool. their body language, where we have photographs and then we have explanations of what to look for in the photograph and then an interpretation. What does this mean? What is this dog's intentions? You know, and, and how should you behave around a dog like this? So it's a great starting point for people to get more comfortable and to know what to watch for. Pamela, please give that website again because I think that's a great one. That's a home run. You got a home run today. So tell us again for the virtual pet behavior because that's really, to see it visually is really helpful. So go ahead, shout it out again. It's the Virtual Pet Behaviorist, ASPCA, and it's www.aspcabehavior.org. Nice. That's wonderful. Isn't that great? There are some things that on the internet could really help us. And folks, you need to go to reputable sources like the ASPCA to get really good, accurate information. And, you know, this is the, uh, I guess one of the reasons you are here is because of National Dog Bite Prevention Week. You were saying about 5 million dog bites a year, right? Yes, it's, it's quite surprising that, that there are that many bites and about 800,000 of them require medical attention. Wow. I remember um, I was 12 years old on July 1st. I'm not going to say the year so you guys can do the math. But we had a GSP, a German short hair pointer, living next door. And the person back in those days kept him on a short leash. There was no water in the bowl. It was a hot day. And I had to let them know that they had a phone call because they also lost their phone. I remember, Pam, I looked at Ralph. That was his name. I used to always say hi to Ralph. But on that day, we made eye contact. He's on a tight leash, no water, hot. And the guy used to beat the dog. Ralph looked at me. I looked at him and I froze. I had this weird feeling and I went to move quickly and he jumped up, bit me in the arm and he simply jumped down. I almost think he was crying for help and I did have to get stitches and things like that, but it taught me some lessons and I also have to share that there was a happy ending. The owner of the dog did pass away quickly and they had a sale and everything and a gentleman that hunts with GSPs came and was able to take Ralph And he stayed in touch with me every year and sent me how good Ralph was doing. So I think this poor dog was crying for help, but it was like a bite and jump down. But it looks like a tetanus shot. Everybody thinks I have my tetanus shot on the wrong arm, but it was the um, souvenir from Ralph. (laughs) Uh Well, I'm glad glad Ralph ended up in a good place. And obviously it didn't traumatize you enough that you put you off dogs, that's for sure. (laughs) No, it made me respect him even more, you know, because I do think we have a tendency tendency to want dogs to do what we want them to do, but we really do need to have a two-way communication, right? 
absolutely. That's why trained dogs, dogs that have received obedience training, are less likely to be implicated in these dog bite statistics because it opens up a line of communication between the dog and the owner, and the dog understands what the owner wants, and the owner is able to get to know the dog better and understand how he's feeling. And and once you have that relationship, you're much more likely to watch your dog, and you're much less likely to put them in situations where you know they're not comfortable. Your folks had sent us some questions. There's one I did want, maybe you could help answer for people because this is common, especially at the summer. Your dog barks every time he sees a bike or a person running. Yikes. What's your advice? Well, there could be many reasons why he's barking. He could be barking for attention. He could be barking because the sound of the wheels and things, the skateboard or the bicycle gets him excited. Dogs in general tend to be excited by fast-moving things, so it's hard to know, but the most important advice I could say is don't let it continue. Don't let the dog continue to practice that behavior. So you want to interrupt the dog. If he's in the backyard, you want to call him in and stop him from doing what he's doing. Give him something else to do. It's a predictable situation where if you're walking the dog and you can see that somebody's coming by, distract him before he even starts. You can even teach him that every time a bicyclist goes by or a runner goes by that he's going to get treats from you. And that dog will quickly learn that oh, every time I see one of those, I should look at my owner because I'm going to get a treat. And then you've got a dog that's looking at that and thinking great things and then focusing their attention on the owner. So it's, it's relatively easy in most cases to curb that kind of problem, but you don't want to let the dog continue to do it and continue to practice that behavior because if they, God forbid, they ever got loose, that's the kind of dog that's likely to chase somebody down and knock them over. Right. Now, you also, one thing I thought it would be good, too, if you could share, because we have some people, we're only human after all, some people will start yelling at their dog to stop barking. I said stop barking. I said stop barking. And I think I'm barking, aren't I? <laughs> you're no. certainly making noise, and some dogs yeah. would well appreciate that, oh, you're just joining in and helping them because... <laughs> That's exactly what dogs do. One barks and the other barks and they all bark. So, yes, it's much better to be calm and quiet and communicate with the dog through other means usually. Usually by treats or distractions or those kinds of things. Well, I use the hand as a stop signal for Chipper. I have a golden retriever husky and, and she starts to bark at the door. I do the I got it. And I I have trained her where I toss her a treat and she runs and sits on the landing so I can open up the door and check it to see what's what's going on. I I have a, you know, but she's there. But it's almost like I give her permission, at least alert bark, but then we find the mute button, the canine mute button. And it seems to work. And so I teach pet first aid. I'm a master instructor. And in class, occasionally they'll be in a setting where there'll be some dogs buying. And I see Chipper getting ready to bark at these other dogs. And I just hold my hand up like a sop signal. And she just instantly goes back to her bed and sits down. And everybody's like, wow, she makes me look like a genius. But it's actually from people like you that I learned, you know what, don't bark back, right? Yep, yep. It's actually relatively straightforward to teach a dog to do that. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful for your guests. It's wonderful for you. You don't have to worry about the dog knocking someone over or jumping up on your guests or escaping out the front door. It's tremendous manners training is what it is. And the dog loves it because it means every time someone comes to the door, they get good things. That's right. That's right. Well, I look forward to seeing you at the next time I'm at a a national conference and you're one of the premier speakers because I'm in that audience saying, oh, gosh, I learned something again. I learned something again. I learned something again. And I do want people to dash over to ASPCABehavior.org for the uh, 
guides on the virtual pet behaviorist. I am very honored to have you on the show. I don't gush that easily, Dr. Reed, so you should be honored that I'm gushing. Thank you. you and I gush, but I no, I don't. But you're making a difference, and that's what we all appreciate. Hey, folks, we're going to be ending each show with a dog or cat question that you just wonder what is the answer to that question? It's been bugging me, and all of these are coming to you by FamilyPet.com. Family Pet is the Knowledge Center. You got to check it out. So here's the question for today. What are some good indoor exercises for my dog when the weather is bad? Hmm. Here's the answer from Family Pet. Lack of exercise often leads to boredom for your dog, and that leads to chewing, excessive bark, bark, barking, and other unacceptable behaviors. You know, here's how to keep your dog active even when the weather's bad outside. Number one, you can play fetch. Even if you have stairs, one of the best ways to exercise your dog is to stand at the top and toss the ball down the stairs. Your dog now runs to the bottom of the stair, fetches the ball, and runs back up to give it to you. You don't have stairs? Use that long hallway. Make it a runway. You can play a safe game of tug of war. And you can play that anywhere because it doesn't require a lot of space. Just remember that you should win the game. Or you're going to end up with a dog who thinks she is your boss. All right. Another game you can play, they're called recall games or hide and seek. You're going to need another person for this one. So one person holds the dog next to them and the other gets the dog excited and then dashes off and hides somewhere in the house. The dog is with person one and then person two calls the dog. And when she finds you, you praise and treat her and you keep going. It's a lot of fun. Another game you can play, it's called find it. So again, someone is with your dog and you wave a treat in front of her nose and then you hide it and then you say to her, find it and you encourage her as she gets closer and closer to where you've hit it and you make a big whoop out of it when she does find it. You know, when you're stuck indoors with your dog, it's a great time to reinforce basic obedience commands too, like the sit, the stay, the down, the leave it. So don't let bad weather discourage you from working with your dog and making that dog even better. And I just wanted to tell you, there's a lot of great questions and answers about dogs and cats. Just dash over to FamilyPet.com. As I said, we've had our special guest, Dr. Pamela Reed, on our show today. She is the Certified Applied Animal Behaviorist with the ASPCA. You will see her at a lot of disasters and other cruelty cases. She has a lot to say, and she's there to help you and your dogs. I also want to thank my producer, Mark Winter. He makes this show happen each and every week. And we have a whole lineup of great hosts on the Pet Life Radio Network. We are 6 million listeners strong on Pet Life Radio. And we have on the Old Behave Show, according to the latest numbers, 800,000 listeners. So let's pump it up to a million. Hey, Pam, do you have a few uh, 200,000 friends you can get our way to kind of tune into the show? I will do my best, and I do really thank you for the opportunity to speak to your listeners. This has been great. All right. Well, you're doing great things. And at this time, folks, I again, reach out and look at the ASPCA.org and see what's going on. And be safe. It is National Dog Bite Prevention Week, but it's a 52-week, 365-day-a-year. We need to pay attention to our dogs. Don't put them in compromising situations. Work with our kids to learn how to be a tree and other safe things when they're around dogs. And we can really get down that number of 5 million dog bites a year. Let's get it down, okay, guys? So until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave! 
coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.